0: Welcome to the Water and Stone Podcast. You are listening to episode number 153. Our Sunday worship service for February 16th, 2020 is Be Peace. It is the seventh in our series, Legendary Life, inspired by the Attitudes. Peace on earth begins when we decide to embody peace in our thoughts, words, and actions. So the scripture today is Matthew 5, 9. Let's say it together. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Yeah, you know this one. I mean, some of, the, uh, some of the Beatitudes, I don't know what meek means exactly. I'm not sure about that one. There's some that are challenging here and there. But when I get to the peacemakers one, a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah, peace. Jesus is the peace guy. I got that. We can, we can, we can go quick, right? He's the peace guy. I got the bumper sticker, I know the hand signal, it's good, we're good, right? This is the easy one. Well, it turns out that peace may not mean the thing that most people think it means. It turns out partly because people mm, don't have the guard up because they know Jesus is the peace guy. I think that's what it said on his business card. I think that it's one of those things where uh, it's easy to just blitz past this. But peace doesn't mean the thing that people think it means. It didn't even mean the thing that people thought it meant back then. I mean, think about it with me. When Jesus said that thing, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. He said it in the middle of the Roman Empire, having taken over everything. Historians call this period in history Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. And what it means is the Roman Empire had just beaten the stuffing out of everybody. And so there weren't really a lot of wars going on. It wasn't like Jesus was saying what we think of when we think of peace. We often think, well, that's the opposite of war, right? Well, there weren't really any wars going on. So it turns out he meant something different. It turns out when he said, blessed are the peacemakers, and he took time in the Beatitudes, once again, this is the greatest hits collection, he took time in that to point this out in a time when there weren't any wars going on. This is interesting. And it's worth more than the passing look that people get when they go, oh yeah, sandals, long hair, Jesus is the peace guy. It means more than that. But we'll get there in a second. I know the thing that sticks out for a lot of people is the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And you know, we don't even have to do this, right? You know that he's not just talking about guys, right? We know this. We know that that's just a convention of language. It was the way that it's written there. We know from the the ministry of Jesus Christ that women were treated as equals in an unprecedented way for the time, right? This is not a thing. We don't have to go deep into this, right? Later on, Paul says, male and female, he created them, and so on and so forth, and all are one, right? This is not a thing. We don't have to go here, right? We're going to get past the whole, well, sons, you know. No, I don't know, because that's not what it says. That's not what Jesus meant by his example or by any of the teaching. so we're just going to get over the sexism part of it. That's not what it means. Okay, done. Good. But it is interesting. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be be called sons of God, because that word's important, as it turns out. They shall be called sons of God. Why is that important? It's important because there are certain groups of people that go, Jesus is the only one that God made. You've heard that before. Well, who made you then? Who made me? General Motors? How does that work? The whole rest of the Bible has to do with the idea that God made everything. God made you over and over again. The the message of Jesus Christ is that we're all in this together, brothers and sisters, in the whole thing. I know that it's convenient to go, no, 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 that's the only one. We're all supposed to just sit still and not do much of anything, wait around or not wait around or ignore it or whatever. I know, it's convenient, it's a terrific, cosmic, monumental cop-out to go, well, no, it's just him, and I'm not supposed to do anything at all about this. Now, you are an expert at this point in thinking about what Jesus was doing. We've talked all through it, you've been with me through all of this stuff. You are an expert in knowing what the Jesus Christ of your heart Thought and felt and taught and exemplified, right? Was there ever a moment where he said, No, 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 hold still, I got this. Really? I mean, overall? Or was the ministry one of guys, would you please just get up off the sidelines and do something? By nature, You are sons and daughters, children of the Most High. And that means it's time to get up and do something, is what Jesus says in one way or another. And so it's beautiful that not only does he explicitly say over and over again things like our Father and stuff like that, that we talk about all the time around here. But here, and it goes by so fast because people gloss over this beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. In other words, you want to do this? Go make some peace this is interesting. This is deep. Maybe, maybe this is the deepest one. Now, as long as we're talking about this, it's important to understand he doesn't say, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be sons or they will be children of God. You know why? Why do you think? Because you're already a child of God. You are, by virtue of your creation, by virtue of the fact that you are not made in the garage with power tools, you are, by virtue of who you are, you are already a child of God. Irrevocably. Inherently. And in every other way, you are already a child of God. We have talked a couple of weeks ago about the idea that you don't have to earn God's grace. You don't have to earn that You can't not be a child of God. It's like trying to not be a carbon-based life form. It just don't work that way. So we're going to get over the idea that this is earned somehow. We're going to get over the idea that there are some special people and some not so special people. We are all in this together, right? The scripture says, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God, children of God. Called that in other words... People will see it. You want to live like this? You want to live like this so purely that people know it when they see it? They'll call you that. Make some peace. That's what's at stake. And it's really interesting because up till now, a lot of the Beatitudes had to do with seeing something, right? With seeing God's love, with seeing miracles in action, with seeing something. This one is about showing something. Okay, I see God, and now I want to get so good at this that I get out of the way and become something like a prism or a magnifying glass or something to where when you see me, you can look through me and see something bigger because I got my ego out of the way. Blessed are the peacemakers, for when they make peace, you'll see whose kids they are. You want to live like a child of God and everything that means. In other words, you want healing, you want miracles, you want it to go easily for a change. I don't know about you, but I'd like that. Go make some peace. That's the deal. But I guess before we do that, we got to go, well, what is this peace thing? (laughs) Again, people go fast. They think they know what it means sometimes. What does it mean? There are certainly people that will tell you that peace just means shutting up. I think on long car trips when I was in the back seat, my parents felt that that was the good prescription. And I get that. Everybody's had those moments. I just want peace. You know, that George Costanza proclamation of serenity. Now I understand it. Thank you. But... Gosh, you know, once again, we're talking about Jesus. Shutting up was not big on his agenda, right? Come on. So often, we have been taught that the idea of peace is just be quiet and let let bigger people do bigger things. the, the, The adults are talking. Peace. And again, that is a cop-out because if you are a child of God one of the things it means is you've got something to say and in fact it means that there's probably something that must be said by you if peace is going to happen and and conflict and and war and problems and and struggle is going to stop there's probably something you have to say maybe you even know what it is you have my permission not that you need it but maybe it helps you know Peace is not a matter of shutting up and letting other people do the thing. And I have to tell you that that maybe you can detect in my voice, I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder about this because I got to tell you, I am really tired of Christianity being used as an excuse to bully people on one end and also to go, you know, if you were more Christian, more spiritual, you'd let me bully you. That ain't peace, guys. And if we're going to grow, we're going to get over that definition. I'm tired of being lumped in with bullies because you know how Jesus felt about that, right? It doesn't work that way. So peace is not a matter of, of just being quiet. As I say, it turns out, peace might mean something different than people thought it meant then, than people think it means now. It might be that peace means something different entirely, but you know, that's kind of a Jesus thing. Of Taking the thing that that you're aware of and and turning it around, right? That's kind of the way that Jesus did it. I have to say that there are a lot of people that when Jesus showed up, they kind of expected that the Messiah would lead peace that would be a lot like the Roman peace, that Pax Romana I mentioned a moment ago. I think there were a lot of people that said, you know, when the Messiah shows up, he's going to clobber everybody. But this time, you know, it's a nice clobber. It's a good afternoon clobber. You know what I mean? He's going to make everybody do it our way, but our way is better than the other bad, yucky way. Jesus said it's not going to work like that because it can't work like that. Have you ever been forced into something? Did it ever really take over your heart and inspire you to goodness and mercy and truth? It doesn't work that way. Never kid, never would, right? It doesn't happen. Over and over again, all of the Beatitudes are about reversing, taking something that you thought and twisting it around. That's why I love how powerful these statements are, why they were so key to that sermon, why they are so key to the the Christian message, is take it and turn it. And so in the spirit of that, I want to give you something to think about, something to even try. It goes like this. I want you to look for the second right answer. I want you to look for the second right answer. A lot of the time, there are life calls upon you to make a decision, to solve a problem, to fix a thing, right? This is life. This is grown-up stuff. I want you to look for the second right answer. The first right answer, the one that comes to you right away, is almost certainly the answer that your life has prepared you for, maybe your ego is comfortable with. It's in your comfort zone. The first right answer is probably in your comfort zone but if I'm going to have a life that is in accordance with the divine, well, gosh, I must decrease and he must increase. So I need to find the second right answer. What's the second thing? If I think about it for a moment and I pray about it for a moment and I get my stuff out of the way for a moment, what is the second one? That's the one that might actually change things. That's the difference between human peace, like a Roman peace, and a peace that passes all understanding because it's past what I'm comfortable with. Interesting. Take a moment and think about that. And people go, okay, well, what's, what's the difference then between human justice and divine justice? Human peace and divine peace. You're driving in traffic. And you see somebody coming. You see him in the mirror, the rearview mirror. And they're not doing a good job. Maybe you can even hear the music because there's usually music involved. You see them coming, and you know to kind of get out of the way because this is a problem. They're a problem. I'm going to give you two options. Are you ready? Here's the first option. You go, okay, I'm going to get myself out of the way. I'm going to say, hey, kids, you know, this is why we we wear our seatbelts, and this is take a moment, and you know what? Let's bless this person. Maybe they're on their way to some kind of an emergency situation. We're going to just see them healed, but also we're going to get ourselves safe. And you know what? I might even call the police with that license number if I feel like it's getting too out of hand. But overall, whatever I do, it comes from a place of going, you know what? Bless them. Bless them and get me out of the way, right? And teach somebody else. That's option one. Now, behind door number two, I'm going to drive right next to that person. When we get to that light, because you know we're going to get caught at the same light, I'm going to roll down that window and I'm going to make sure they know that I see them. I need you to know that I know that you know that I know that you have wronged me and the laws of the Department of Transportation of Florida. What is that look? Have you ever gotten that look? I've given the look, the look of you're wrong. The face, they don't care. If they cared, they wouldn't be driving that way in the first place, right? So who's that for? Maybe it's just an ego thing. And I bring that out because you know what? Driving is a metaphor for life. You've heard me say that before. Do you have situations in your life where you need someone to know they're wrong? That's ego. It's time to quit that. Because it is no more helpful and productive than glaring at the stranger in traffic who can't even see you through their tinted windows. There are too many salt life stickers on their window anyway. (laughs) It's Florida. You know it's true. But it doesn't help, does it? And that's the difference. Do you need someone else to be punished? Or are you okay with the universe taking care of that? And can you act instead from a place of blessing? Can you find the second right answer that doesn't come from your ego and your comfort zone and instead comes from a place of going, all right, God, what do you got? because God is involved in this (laughs) and that brings me to the other thing I think that sometimes people go yeah well God's already here so what's the point I mean if God has already got this if God is already God image and likeness is here but the kingdom of heaven is in my midst and I'm just good with all of it and God is everywhere like gravity is everywhere we talk about this right And so perhaps a natural question is to go, well, if God is already everywhere, then I don't need to do anything. Isn't it more peaceful for me to just sort of think about my belly button on a mountaintop somewhere? Isn't that spiritual? Meanwhile, there's terrible things going on in the news, but you know what? I'm just so, oh, so much just better than all those people. I mean, really, when you get down to it. Isn't that spiritual? I've heard people use half of spirituality to justify some kind of nihilism. Not even the fun, big Lebowski nihilism. Just like the, the boring kind where you know, I'm so spiritual that I'm not even doing anything. I've heard that before. Based on my tone, you can tell how I feel about it. Based on your heart, you can tell how you feel about it. Based on what we've talked about, you know how Jesus felt about it. If the whole ministry, the whole gospel is about go do a thing, do you think he would have been okay with someone using the idea of spirituality to hold still and not take action? Does that make sense to you? I bet not. Yes, it's true. God is already here. Yes, it's true. That means that every single thing that God is, is brought to bear on life right now. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But yet, there is still peace to be made. So how does that work? Well, I'll tell you. If you ask me for a cake, and I give you eggs, and, and oil, and sugar, and flour, and I go, Bon Appetit! Can you tell I don't know what goes in cake? <laughs> I was close, though, right? Those th- yeah. Forty weight ball bearings and a hat. I don't know. Anyway. But you get the point. That ain't a cake. Yes, I have given you all the ingredients. But that's not the same thing. To make the cake that you want, there is participation required. There is expertise required. There is patience required. There is seeing what this is not only now in, in random order, but in manifest order, right? Making a cake requires your participation, just like making anything, just like making peace. And it doesn't just require the ingredients. It doesn't even just require heat. It requires listening. I think one of the reasons that I am a terrible cook is not just my, uh, my ignorance of ingredients, but also that I, I tend to not be patient with things like that. I go, it says on the box or in the recipe book or on the internet or whatever that this is 30 minutes at 350 degrees or whatever. But you know if you actually are good at cooking, it doesn't mean that at all. You have to actually look and go, this looks done or not. I love hanging out in the kitchen when my wife is cooking things. Because first of all, I just sit there and smell things and occasionally try things. It's a good job. But also, I hear my wife say at least once for everything that she cooks, and usually many, many times, she goes, this wants to cook longer. This wants to have a little bit more sugar, more salt, more whatever it is. This wants this. This wants turmeric. Don't put turmeric in a cake. This wants whatever it is. But that's why she's good at this, because she listens, because she sees. Guess what? Life is like that. You have all of the ingredients necessary for peace, but to be called a child of God, in other words, for people to see it, to be a peacemaker, you must listen. You must love. You must carry this into action. You got to make something. But you want to anyway. You know that, right? You have that desire to go make a thing. It will make you feel better. Did you know that when they came up with the first like Betty Crocker bake mixes or whatever, they didn't require anything. You just maybe a little bit of water or something. You didn't have to put anything in them. And people didn't buy them. They didn't like them. So they actually, this is true, they actually made the recipe worse. They took some things out and now you have to add an egg. They took things away, kept the price the same, is your economics lesson. Kept the price the same. They took things away. So now I have to buy the box and I must add an egg and oil. Notice those was the only two ingredients I knew at the beginning. And people bought them like crazy because I have to feel like I'm making something. It wasn't enough for me to just have the box. Think of the psychology of that. One of the things that that says is that you and I and everybody else, we are predisposed to want to make something. It's who you are. Think of it. You ever feeling waterlogged spiritually or emotionally? Go make something. I guarantee you'll feel better. You will, because it's who you are. You know why? Because you are made in the image and after the likeness of God. And maybe you don't know everything about how God works, but if you challenge a child, what does God do? Maybe different kids will have different answers, but generally, and in fact universally, the kid will go, God uh, makes stuff. Right? That's the thing. That's kind of the bedrock of it. God makes stuff. Maybe as we grow, we learn other things. Maybe some of those things aren't so great to to have in our heads, but so what? We'll get there. Every kid knows God makes stuff. So you, you want to live like the image and likeness of God, go make a thing. Specifically, go and make peace. This is your job. If you've got some kind of grudge, some kind of need for someone else to feel punished, some kind of drama, go make peace. You're going to feel better. Because this is how the universe works. It is. It's just the deal. We've talked about the idea that since the Big Bang, the universe is expanding and expanding and expanding into all kinds of diversity and all kinds of complexity. It's a wonderful thing that everything is just kind of coming apart. Physicists call that the weak force, the thing that draws things apart. You know why they call it the weak force? Because it's not the strong force. (laughs) It's true, I know, it's very complicated. I learned about centrifugal force, you know, and you spin something around and then everything flies off. And I remember being really worried in the middle of the night, going, How come I'm not flying off the planet? I'm scared. Because there's a stronger force. There is a force in the universe that pulls things apart and makes them more complicated, but there is also a force called the strong force that pulls everything together. And that is why, yes, we split out into all kinds of atoms, but something combines those atoms into molecules. And yes, those molecules expand out into more and more complicated things, but something pulls those molecules together and makes cells. And yes, those cells pull out and become more complex, but something pulls those cells together and makes organisms, and organisms become animals and people and everything. There is a power in the universe that brings together. That's peace. You want to live like a child of God? It is your job to bring together, to combine. We're talking about the body of Christ kind of an idea. We're talking about why in the Bible all of our heroes tend to be gardeners or shepherds. It's what they do. They pull things together. That's what peacemaking is. It has zero to do with holding still and everything to do with gardening something, taking care of something, watching something grow, feeding something. Go and make peace. If there is someone in your life that you cannot find peace with, it could just be that they need to be fed. And maybe it's your job and maybe it's not, but the beginning is going, this is a hungry person. This isn't an evil person because we're all in this together. My job as a child of God is to find that place of commonality. My job as a child of God is to find that place where love can happen. And maybe it's at a distance, that's okay too. My job is to make peace. Even when it's hard, and in fact, especially when it's hard. There's somebody you're thinking about right now, maybe. You know where to start. Because here's the thing. Jesus said the ingredients to the cake are everywhere. Now I'm paraphrasing. A little, not a lot. The ingredients to this amazing cake, this life thing, this love thing, this body of Christ thing, this this evolutionary moving forward and making something bigger than ourselves thing, the ingredients are everywhere. (laughs) The fields are ripe for harvest. It's time. Your job is to see that. This life that feels like such a mess, this life that feels so stressful, this life where that one guy... Ingredients. And the oven is preheated, you know it because you feel the heat of it. It's time. But part of being a good cook, and this is another reason why I'm not good at it, is knowing what not to put in of being a gardener is weeding, right? You get to decide what doesn't go in. This is important too. And this is part of the peace process that people ignore. You know, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a religious tradition where every Sunday we sang a song that went, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. And that song still touches my heart. It's a beautiful song. I love it so much. You've heard me say that around Christmas time at Epcot Center, there's all these fireworks, and then after the fireworks, because it's a special Christmas time thing, they also do let there be peace, and I cry every time. It's a big deal because it speaks to that little kid in me that just got out of Sunday school, but more than that, because I love the idea that we can all just gather and let peace begin with me. So I ask you if peace was going to begin with you, how would that start? If you can answer that question, you know what you need to do. But I want you to know with me that that's only half of the equation. Because if peace is going to begin with you, then something has to end with you. And sometimes that's the most heroic thing. Sometimes that's the most grown-up thing. Sometimes that's the most Christ-like thing. How many times did Jesus say, let's start this thing? But also how many times did Jesus say, this ends now? Both parts of the peace equation are essential. I don't know what you grew up with, but it may very well be that you get to decide that, you know what, I saw some stuff that I'm not going to carry on to the people I love. I'm not talking about eating toxicity, I'm not talking about participating in the dysfunction, I'm just talking about not carrying it on. A big part of this is what ends with you? Because here's the big reveal. <laughs> To the peacemaker thing. Here's the big deal. Here's what it all comes down to. Why Jesus in the middle of a place that was not at war called upon people to be peacemakers. You ready? We're all in this together. I said that before. In fact, I probably say it every Sunday in one way or another. It's kind of table stakes, right? We're all in this together. And what that means is that peace cannot happen for one person, for anybody. Peace cannot happen for anybody until it is possible for everybody. That's what's on the table. I'm I'm done with hearing somebody say, well, I'm working on my healing. Good, I want you to be healed. God wants you to be healed. But you know the thing that's going to get you healed is if you stop thinking about yourself and you start living in a world where healing just is, and it's not yours any more than it's my oxygen that I'm breathing. Get over it with me. It's ours. Peace cannot happen for anybody until it's possible for everybody. And that means that certain things begin with us. And man, oh man, it means that some things have to end with us. You get to decide what. You get to watch the news. You get to decide what stops with you. But something. Make that your homework this week. Let something end with you. Let sickness end with you, that heart sickness, so that life can begin. Let jealousy end with you. Let the desire to punish end with you so that there is room for peace. Let it begin with you. It's time for you to love. It's time for you to laugh. It's time for you to prioritize happiness. It's time for you to be free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you.